0: welcome everybody to the nuggets of gold podcast in the worst take network today i'm with evan swords he is a writer at 49ers hub um evan you want to introduce yourself real quick
1: yeah what's going on
0: um my name is evan
1: swords um naturally a 49ers fan right uh I am from Portland, Oregon, but, you know, grew up with favorite, favorite colors, red. So kind of zoom, zoomed in on uh, the 49ers. Um, you know, I, I try and, and write and help run the 49 ershubcom Uh We have, you know, I think at this point, like 10 or 12 writers, um, editor writers, uh, you know, day to day operations stuff, things like that. Um, Yeah, I'm based out of L.A. myself.
0: Uh, I'm a big, giant, dumb 49ers fan. (laughs) Well, today it's going to be pretty sweet having you on. Um, And for this episode today, we're basically going to be talking about can the defensive line be as dominant in 2020 with the departure of DeForest Buckner? Obviously, DeForest Buckner has kind of been the rock since he got drafted there, so it was sad to see him leave. Um, At the same time, it's nice to see that he's with another team that can hopefully contend and with an up-and-coming defense uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. They're a great organization. I have a lot of faith in Frank Reich um, and that whole whole upper management, everything going on there. Um, last season, though, Buckner had seven and a half sacks, nine tackles for loss, two forced fumbles, and a touchdown. So he had pretty good, pretty good numbers. Um, but that was with a stacked defensive line. In 2018, he had 12 sacks. So you can see that this guy is – a producer, and they will definitely feel his loss. Um, Evan, how have you just thought about DeForest Buckner throughout his career? Because I've always thought about him as just like that stable piece on the defensive line.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you got to, first and foremost, I'm from Portland, Oregon. Uh, so I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. Uh, I went to college out there. Uh, I am a huge DeForest Buckner fan. I'm a huge Eric Armstead fan. Uh, so when they drafted him, I was very excited. You know, he was supposed to be, a for sure thing, a a dominant defensive tackle. And I think right away that was kind of the thing that you realized that you were going to get from DeForest, Uh, whether he was on a bad team or a good team, you know, he did his role very well, exceptionally well. Um, So, you know, it sucks that I don't get to see him go anywhere uh, or stay on the 49ers. And obviously, you know, like you said, I'm very happy that he gets to go to another contender, um, Kind of worried that uh, Philip Rivers is the quarterback there, but that's neither here nor there. Um, as far as him leaving the team, you know, you can't replace someone that good, uh, especially right away. You know, Javon Kinlaw is a monster, and I think everyone is so hyped and excited to see what happens with him because he's just like just 350 pounds of raw talent, just absolute psychopath monster, just wants to destroy people, uh, which you love. Um, But I think when you think about things from a team perspective and and a wins perspective and, you know, all of that uh, last year, really, it became pretty evident as far as I'm concerned that the pass rush was what really turned the corner for that defense with Nick Bosa coming in, obviously D Ford when he was able to play healthy. Um, And, you know, where Eric and DeForest played really well, uh, I never thought of them as the X factor in those situations, right? When you think about the, all the pressures that Bosa had that generated to turnovers or generated just past disruption and, you know, not turning, you know, turnover on downs and things like that. Like I saw a lot of that X factor stuff come from Bosa. And I think in his second year and, you know, obviously for a very long time, you're going to see that, the edge position is is just more dynamic and more important to a football team than defensive tackle might be um you know eric armstead is a great example of that position and you know they don't play the exact same position but being a very talented player and having that not be enough for that rest of the defensive line um whereas you know if you're rushing off the edge it's usually it's you versus one other person, the left tackle, right tackle, uh, maybe a tight end's helping, and and I think there's a lot more for that. So, and when you ask, what do I think about the team and where is they going to go from here and how do they how do they get, you know, replace DeForest Buckner? I think you have to look at before we even drafted Javon Kinlaw. I was a huge CD Lamb fan, and that was the pick that I wanted. And for me to be as big of a fan of drafting CD Lamb. Um, I needed to understand that the plan to replace Buckner was safe. And I really thought that when you look at, you know, Julian Taylor and um, really DJ Jones and Contavious Street and all these like raw players who had, you know, flash good games like DJ was obviously amazing last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Julian Taylor has played well in in limited snaps and then Contavious Street is, you know, he, he was Uh, famous before he even got drafted for squatting like 700 pounds. So, right. These were guys that you were like, okay, you know, no, we don't want to lose DeForest Buckner. Yes, we do want a first round draft pick. So if we have to lose him, we're getting a draft pick and we have really good depth. I was very confident in the depth, the depth that we had. Um, And I was like, all right, I get it. You know, we'll struggle a little bit more because DeForest is elite, but you know, Bosa and, and hopefully Ford on the edge will take, take care of that. And that was kind of my thought process.
0: Yeah. I like that you brought up the draft stuff too, just because for CeeDee C. Lamb for me was like my wide receiver one going in. And specifically the idea of seeing him in a Kyle Shanahan offense was, was real exciting. Um, maybe you could argue that Jerry Judy was up there with him, but okay. Kyle Shanahan, you want the guy that can get the yards after the catch. And that was, that's clearly CeeDee Lamb as a talent. I'll tell you
1: a quick, funny story. Um, so you know, I've got a lot of friends with the 49ers organization and I was luckily, you know, I was, you know, thankfully uh, lucky enough to be able to go on uh, the NFL draft video uh, feed so that when they were announcing the fa- the picks, you know, I was, my dumb face was uh, on there with like a bunch of other awesome fans. And, you know, I, my, my big thing throughout the whole process was anybody but Ken Law, because I really did have a lot of faith in, in the depth that we had and i didn't think it was as necessary when you could get something like that so i'm sitting here like i can't believe lamb dropped this is insane what world am i living in it's like crabtree all over again a receiver that never should have dropped, you know dropped is dropping and so i'm sitting there front and center and they're like jayvon kenlon i'm like and like there was a blink but then you're like i got invited on here i can't be that guy like I have to you know be excited about this and be you know play that role well you know because I got invited on mm-hmm. and so you see me go yeah <laughs> just a little
0: delayed reaction
1: <laughs> it was very delayed and my, my best friend texted me and he was just like yeah I, I could tell that something was wrong because you started like <laughs> waving your hands awkwardly in the air like I didn't know what to do <laughs>
0: That's funny. Um yeah. I I just said I liked the pick. I actually wanted Kenlaw. I just thought that he would be a good fit. And and the main reason why was just and I really like CD. I would have been if CD would have got drafted, I would have been super stoked. Um but it, for me it was kind of like Kenlaw or CD, like hopefully one yeah. of them's there and then both of them are there. But I was super excited for that pick. Um I think Kenlaw, I don't I don't know enough about him to be like oh he's going to be really good, but you can definitely see that the, d- the dude's super talented and he's another massive guy 6'6 305 so I think that him and DJ Jones will kind of be like almost a revolving door for Buckner I guess Um, it'll be interesting how they play them I don't know what you're kind of expecting I kind of think that they're going to be like the base down defensive tackles and then obviously Armstead's going to kick inside on third down because he's so good at that you also brought up the positional value of DeForest Buckner Eric Armstead's just kind of shows that that hey this guy can play defensive in and defensive tackle and we can sign him for less the values there right. um and armstead's armstead was fantastic last year i don't think people appreciate how good armstead is i mean he was probably more important on the defensive line than buckner was last season and they were both great yeah. but the big thing for me with this whole defensive line has got to be health um armstead obviously has kind of ran into some health issues in the past but if he's healthy he's one of the best in the league. Um, and I, I don't think he'll ever get that appreciation maybe, but he was an absolute monster last he's year. There. I, yeah. Um, he's there. Yeah. He, he's definitely getting there. Um, I think he, what is he 25 or 26? He's not very old.
1: Yeah. I mean, so you, and the thing with Armstead that I've always, you know, I mean, I'm I'm loud regardless, but especially when it comes to Oregon players and my 49ers and all that was, you know, he never had injury problems at Oregon. Never was, never was a thing. And then he comes in and he gets two unique separate injuries that were completely nothing to do with each other. That were really freak accidents. And a lot of people were like, oh, he's injury prone. Mm-hmm. So that's well, first off, injury prone is not a thing. Um, some people think it is. I, I highly disagree, but yeah, they were like, oh, he's injury prone. Like, well, they're totally separate injuries. And you know you've got Jim O'Neill as the defensive coordinator who was like eating chalk or like drooling <laughs> half the time during. he's like I didn't understand what he was even doing there. So yeah, there, I was just kind of like sitting there like, no, everybody, you just wait. And the first year that he came back healthy, he had a really good year, and everyone was like, I guess he had a good year, but you know. And then last year, he you know, he just destroys, and everyone's like well, you know, he's kind of, you know. It's like everyone is so, like, unable to admit that he is playing like someone you drafted with a very high first-round pick.
0: Mm -hmm. And and his whole thing was like, hey, he might take a little while, but look at how good this dude can get. And he's definitely been getting there. (laughs) I mean, he was kind of... I remember he was kind of like a raw guy coming out, but he is... He's spectacular. He's an absolute monster. I like... I like how the 49ers have set up their defensive line. And obviously they had Buckner and him coming on the inside before. Um, but now they have DJ Jones, Javon Kenlaw, and Eric Armstead as the defensive tackles, even though Armstead plays the end in the, in the base downs. But that has got to be so scary for opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks too. Because, I mean, you think about the quarterbacks when the 49ers play like I call them like statue quarterbacks, like the, the Kirk Cousins yeah. and the Jared Goffs. Right. It's like it's the game's over once they take a couple snaps and they're like, oh, so I'm going to be facing this interior pressure for the whole day. Like this is right. not going to be, be going well. It's, um,
1: it's, it's very much so what can J- Javon Kinlaw do in his rookie year. Um, I don't think a lot of people really understand this as a concept because Nick Bosa played so well last year, but he should get better. And yep. that's insane to think about. But if Nick Bosa gets better and Javon Kenla even comes a little bit close to reproducing kind of what DeForest Buckner did for the team, it's going to be the best defense in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, not to mention, we haven't even mentioned D. Ford yet. And D. Ford only played 11 games last year. I've heard a few scouts say that he's – might be the best pure speed rusher just on a, a speed rush basis. And that's perfect for a whole bunch of like piercing defensive linemen. And then Nick Bosa on the other side, like that's, right. it really doesn't get much better than that. Um, I, I love how they built their defensive line though. You brought up that Nick Bosa could get even better. That is terrifying. Cause the dude was super sound. Like that's the one thing where a lot of young defensive ends come in and they're just like kind of all over the place. And then like, they just get lost in the run game. But it's all
1: about their talent,
0: right? Yeah. Ross, raw, raw, it's not about skill.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, Joe Staley said that right away. He was like, I can't, I couldn't get over right away how smart he played and how much, like, he had such great procedural moves. And, like, he just was methodical in every single thing that he did. He wasn't just trying to beat you every time with his, you know, I'm just going to push past you.
0: Yeah, no, he was – the, the one play where it, it just looks like he's a, a veteran pass rusher is when I think it was the saints game where they go to throw the screen and he like bounces out and then he tips it away. I think I'm pretty sure it was the saints, but, yeah. and he just made those plays throughout the year where you're like, okay, this guy's on another level. He's, yeah. and, and it's funny because, I mean, there, we should have kind of expected that just because that's what Joey did. And they're pretty similar players. Like obviously right. Joey missed like that first, like few weeks of the season, but then he came in and it was like, Oh, this guy's technique is fantastic. Right and he away, was just, yeah. yeah, right away you notice, okay, this guy's like an NFL ready guy. I um, went to
1: the uh, Carolina Panthers game, and that was, you know, it's it's you seeing the 49ers play on TV's, you know, seeing it's it's seeing football in general, like good defense on, on TV's great. But when you see Nick Bosa in person at the speed that he moves at like real time, it was just like insane. When he intercepted that ball. I was just like, there's no reason why that man should be able to move like that. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Um just wondering what what games did you go to last year?
1: So I got to go to the Panthers game. Um, I went to the Rams game here in LA, which was great because I wore a a cutoff, I don't know if I have red shirt, like the old Joe Montana shirt that said 40 fucking Niners. Excuse my <laughs> language. Um and I, I have a photo of me just like laying in the stands in the fourth quarter wearing red the seats are red and everyone is gone because the game was over by the third quarter yeah. um, and then I, I was lucky enough to be able to uh, go um, to the Vikings playoff game
0: okay awesome yeah I went to I went to three games last year and I hadn't I hadn't gone to a game since the they played the Cowboys in what was it Reuben Foster He's... and Solomon Thomas rookie year? Oh yeah. And that was that was a bad game. I was my uncle yeah. who's a Cowboys fan, and that was that was rough. But I went to the Monday night. That Football was like one
1: game. of the worst losses we had in a
0: very long. Oh, <laughs> that was a bad one. Um and then I went to this year I went to the Seahawks game and then the Vikings and the Packers playoff games. So Did you go to the Seahawks
1: game that they won? No, you went to the one they lost.
0: Yeah, went to the one they lost. But yeah. still in that game yeah it was an amazing game how you how you bring up how you can see like how just a dominant the defensive line was and for me it wasn't even it wasn't all Nick Bosa like of course like he shows his presence and stuff but it seemed like every time where it was like wow the Niners are gonna lose and they did lose in the end but every time it seemed like oh they're gonna lose to Russell Wilson the defense would do something and that was just the story of last year of just oh, the defense is going to do something. The defense is going to do something. It's very 2011 vibes. Mm-hmm, exactly. And it, that's what, like, the whole year was like, this is crazy. Like, And that's, like, probably, for me at least, I know a lot of people just, like, love watching Pat Mahomes throw 60-yard bombs and stuff. Um, don't we all? Yeah. I, I mean, we all like it. I like it too. But yeah. But watching a dominant defensive line for your team, it's something different, especially when you have, like, a lot of hard-hitting players. And though it's not, like, the Dante Whitner, Deshaun Goldson, that kind of era where they're taking heads off. But still, Richard Sherman is one of the better tacklers. And you just have those guys with that defensive line just constantly bringing pressure. It was pretty – it was sweet. Um, And then, like, right – immediately, like, in that first half, you go, wow, this defensive line is, like, really something else. And you don't really notice it on TV as much, I would have to say. I I totally get where you're coming from on that. But, yeah, I think that just kind of shows, like – how they have built it where it's just these dudes that are so big so powerful um and buckner was one of them but dj jones is one of them too um Mm -hmm. kenlaw is like you brought up hopefully he can he can play really well as a rookie um eric arm says that guy nick is that guy and then d ford is that speed guy outside i i just i'm excited um a couple a couple interesting stats from last year's team that i wanted to bring up which just show how remarkable this defense was, they allowed the fewest passing yards in the league, and they allowed the fewest net passing yards in the last 10 years. And that was 169.2 yards a game. And I think the team that had allowed less was the 2009 Jets, and that was like the Rivas Island yeah, Jets. Reason, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, where no one could throw the ball, period, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and that makes sense, though, because you have to remember that Richard Sherman had one of, like, the best seasons he's ever had.
0: Yeah, I think he was PFF's number one graded corner, if I'm right. Yep. And still people are mad about, what was he, 28th on the 100 list, and people are like, oh, he's too high.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Richard Sherman will forever never get the recognition that he deserves until he puts on his Hall of Fame jacket, and then they'll
0: probably say something else then, too. Yeah. Um. So... Another guy that I wanted to bring up is Dion Jordan. They obviously just signed him, and well, it's not a big move, it's just another outside guy that they can use as a depth player. Um, they have him, Ronald Blair, who's coming back from an ACL. Um, I was looking through some of the numbers. Ronald Blair actually had a really good year last year. He only yeah. played nine games, and he had three sacks yeah. in a reserve role. So that's really, really good if that's yeah. like your – fourth guy fourth defensive end so hopefully Ronald Blair's back uh the Deion Jordan not a super big deal in my mind but he is a number three overall pick and Solomon Thomas was a number three overall pick so he just kind of is another first round defensive lineman that's now on this team because that's what the 49ers have shown that they love doing just acquiring as many first round defensive linemen as possible.
1: Yeah, I mean you have to remember we're in a new age for the 49ers now where you don't look at those pick like as those signs as like some important thing. They're luxuries. So, you know, the we're at a situation right now where players that are trying to prove something that have high low you know, low risk, high reward, uh, are gonna want to come play for the 49ers. And really that's what Deion Jordan's doing. You look at a guy who was drafted, you know, Granted, he, he shouldn't have been drafted number three overall. Dolphins, who knows why they did that. But he was drafted number three overall. He had very a ta- very talented person. Dolphins have been a mess for a very long time. So finally, he gets out of there. You know, he's got trouble. Uh, he gets, you know, suspended in drinking problems. Uh, he ends up going to Seattle eventually once he gets reinstated. has Does some interesting things at times. But, you know, really, he's still struggling a little bit. So if you're him, where do you go? you go where Nick Bosa and D. Ford and Eric Armstead and Javon Killa and Chris Kirk, the, one of the best defensive line coaches in the NFL, you know, and Robert Sala, who's just looks like a fun coach to play for, right? Like that's where you go if you're him. So he comes in, he plays cheap and, you know, you, you, you hope that he can really at least give you a little of the reason why he was originally drafted so high. And I think that's kind of what's exciting because we're in a fun position right now where DJ Jones and Ronald Blair really seemed like they were taking a step before their injuries last year.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, you know, the stars, still stars really seem to be aligning. Like we already have the things that we know we're supposed to be excited about and Eric and D Ford and, uh, you know, Nick Bosa, but what does this defense look like that already was amazing last year when even more of those cylinders are firing, right? So cornerback's going to be an interesting position. Um, you know, does Richard Sherman, is he able to repeat what he did last year? It's going to be hard. Hopefully he can. Hopefully we got a couple more good, great years of Richard Sherman back in the tank. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, and we obviously have to see what happens to a Keller Witherspoon and things like that. But this is a defense that for all intents and purposes should get better this
0: year. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, and you brought up like how good they were last year and that they still have all these guys. And last season they had so many injuries. Um, I mentioned that DJ that uh, D Ford only played eleven games. Same with DJ Jones, Kwaski-Tart missed four games. Sherman missed one, and yeah, he only missed one game. But that was the game where I think Julio Jones had a like hundred thirty yards. He had thirteen yards, catches. I
1: thought he yeah he, it was a monster game.
0: Yeah, and he just and he scores the game when he touchdown. So um, then Ronald Blair only played nine games. Um, Julian Taylor only played six, so these guys were banged up last year. Um, now Eric yeah. Armstead, Nick Bosa, those guys were healthy, but if they're healthy and you get a healthier D Ford, you have D J Jones, Ronald Blair coming back. Um, obviously, cantavis Street, Julian Taylor. Hopefully, Solomon Thomas progresses. I don't know if we're going to play on that. house
1: money at this point. Whatever happens,
0: if it's good, then awesome. If not, he'll be gone next year. The one thing I would say about Solomon Thomas is that, while well, he, I mean, he doesn't look like a number three overall pick, but he's still a solid depth piece. Like, mm-hmm. and he's, he's making a lot of money to be a depth piece. I think he makes around like $8 million. Um, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. But he's still a solid player and I think that they'll probably keep him around. I really do. Just because he's not going to probably sign for that much. Um, I, I feel like he's one of those guys that could get re-signed, um, recently another guy that there was a rumor that the 49ers are going to extend someone Ooh. that is like unexpected. And my thought was either DJ Jones or Quan Williams, but I wonder if they, if they get DJ Jones extended this year, because I think that he has a lot of potential. Um, he, would he was be a, very year.
1: similar to the Jaquisky Tart extension or the Raheem Mostert extension. Uh, you know, the 49ers are really good at, uh, extending the players early and in a very smart situation. So I do agree. I think you know, you'll probably see that who it is, who
0: knows. Um you know there's so many sources nowadays. So <laughs> Oh yeah, I know. I didn't take take too much uh thought into it, but just figured like yeah. okay, some underrated guys, maybe one of them. Um, yeah, I'd be happy sure. to see that. But I'm excited for this year. I think that I I mentioned before, I think this defensive line is built perfectly. Um I feel like a lot of defenses have like glaring holes where the 49ers don't you could say cornerback too and even then emmanuel mosley was pretty good last year i thought like down the stretch he was making big plays um
1: he he did what we were hope hoping for akella witherspoon to do yeah be a solid number two corner that you can be reliable and yeah you might miss a couple plays here and there but just kind of do your thing uh yeah Mosley, I'm, I'm very happy to be having on the team. I hope that he has a Ronald Blair, DJ Jones style bump this year and, you know, kind of makes that next step. I do think that pass rush is, is, I think pass rush is way more important than coverage. I don't care what PFF says. Um, and I feel like the pass rush is going to get better this year. And because of that, uh, Mosley and Witherspoon and Sherman should all have a little bit easier of a job.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, us, us worst take co-founders, me and McCona. McCona's obviously not here today, but we have preached that the defensive line is the most important part of the defense. Um, we've gotten into some arguments with people, uh, especially, especially Patriots fans like to argue that the is bigger, but I'd say like you guys run a unique scheme where Bill Belichick's just a genius, so that's a whole different reason on why your defense is flourishing with yeah, a strong secondary. What was that?
1: And you have Steven Gilmore as well. I mean, it also helps that you have arguably the best corner in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> see how – see how well – let's go send them Akello over there and we'll see how well they do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, but overall, I'm super excited about this year. Um, I do think that the defensive line can be as dominant, um, if not more dominant like you said, Evan. Obviously, there's, there's some question marks with Buckner gone just because you lost a star player. You lost yeah. – you know, he was a second team all-pro last year, but they have the guys to replace it, and they have the guys on the edge. Um, they have Nick Bosa, who looks like a budding superstar, D Ford, who is a perfect guy to put on the other side to compliment Bosa, Eric Armstead in the middle, DJ Jones, Javon Kimmel. So that is just a strong core right there. Um, before we head out, Evan, I want to get one more thought from you. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen with uh, George Kittle? Because I heard you were talking about some George Kittle stuff earlier today, I believe, or the, a couple of days yeah. ago.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, what's going to happen is he's going to resign. You know, George Kittle's going to be come the highest paid tight end in NFL history, and he's going to get probably a six-year deal, maybe a five-year deal. What I, would, I would probably say for the tight end position, he's probably going to get a six-year deal. Uh, With the 49ers, it's going to hover around 15 million at the high, I think. Uh, You know, one of the things we were talking about, because I know a lot of people were, you know, wanting him to get re-signed and there's a lot of excitement running around, especially on Twitter. Um, But, you know, the, the main thing that I try to explain is, you know, this is a very unique situation where you have a guy in George Kittle who is the best tight end in the NFL. He has broken the reception uh, yardage from a tight end record of all time, right? He has that record and he did it with uh, an insurance salesman, CJ Bethard, and uh, the manager of a bank, um, <laughs> Nick Mullins, you know, so like what he did is wildly impressive and he is deserving to be paid the highest contract for tight end in the NFL. But the problem is, as you know, he also does other things exceptionally well, right? He's one of the best blocking tight ends in the NFL. Uh, it's, it's a unique situation to be in, though, because you're, you're not paying him to block. You love that he can block, right? But George Kittles needs to be catching passes. And last year, with all those injuries, he kind of really struggled to be able to be the receiving tight end that he is so well because we needed him to block. That's not what you want from George Kittle. I love that he can block, and it's super important that he does and is there to, you know, play that role. But we want him catching touchdowns and, and you know, racking up 125 yards a game against the Seahawks and making them cry. Um, so when you're trying to figure out this contract. Right? You're not just paying him for the, the being the next highest paid tight end. You're also factoring in his blocking ability. You're also factoring in what he means to the team, what kind of icon he is in terms of a celebrity right, to the city of San Francisco from a business standpoint, how much business he drives being that lovable, smiling George Kittle that he is. right? So there's so many different variables that go into it, um, which makes it not easy. How much is, uh, Austin Hooper making right now?
0: I think 11 or 12,
1: 10, maybe like 10 or 11, right? What did Gronk, what was the highest amount of money Gronk ever made in New England? I think it was like nine or 10. It was like nine. So yes, I do think the tight end market needs to change. And yes, I do think, that the number needs to be significantly higher than that. But how you're gonna get there is gonna be difficult. There's gonna be a lot of incentives and bonus structures put in there that probably are difficult to do. And that's just to me why it's taking some time. And also we're doing this shit early. So everyone needs to relax. We didn't have to extend him right now. We're doing that because we love George Cadle.
0: So yeah that's that's great. I I had said maybe like two months ago five year 15 million a year. And I think it was like around half of it, maybe a little bit more than half of it guaranteed. I yeah. was like, this is probably the number. And then people were floating around twenty million. And I was like, no. And then like a, like fifteen million is so so much larger than any of the other tight ends. Right. That's the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. Yeah, and, that, that the problem. Yeah, and, and that's I, the Do you know who his agent is? I do not know who his agent is. His agent is some, you know,
1: smaller agent who mostly is, uh, deals with Iowa players, mostly like linemen and stuff like that, right? So this kid or guy or man or whatever he is, is not used to this type of a, of a situation, is now trying to get George Kittle basically twice as much money as any time and has ever gotten his life. <laughs> so God, Godspeed, man. Godspeed.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I definitely agree. He is going to get... <laughs> resigned there's no way there's absolutely no way that they trade that the 49ers trade george kittle um and people are like oh they traded buckner completely different situation completely different
1: they so the the rumor is um and i'm not a sort like i said i'm not a sources guy i'm not an insider i don't know shit about shit but the rumors (laughs) the rumors that i had heard was that you know as a smart team when austin hooper was available they're like okay well We'll see if anybody wants to pay a ransom for George Kittle, we're talking two, maybe three first round picks. Sure. But no one was ever going to pick that, you know, pay, you know, pay that. And if someone offers you that, right, you you have to listen, right? So I wouldn't say that they're never going to trade him. I would say that if they're smart enough to know that every team has a price. Um, but I, I think they also know that no one was ever going to pay that. So to say, yeah, we're open to trading. If you pay the price we want, Who cares?
0: No one's ever going to do that. So, George Kittle's going to be wearing red and gold for a very long time. Yeah. All right, Evan. Once again, thanks for coming on the pod. Um, And like Evan said, George Kittle is going to get extended. We know this. And also, the 49ers defensive line has a very strong chance of being just as dominant, if not more dominant, next season. Thanks, Evan. All right, man. Take care. Thanks for having me on.